0: I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my... fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, season 2, episode 5. We are well into season 2 at this point. Thank you for sticking with me, standing by me. You guys are the wind beneath my wings, truly. And on that note, I'm going to read a Gorgeous and flawless review that I received in the Apple Podcasts app. Guys, if you like this podcast, I cannot stress this enough – write me a review. It really does help out the show. I say it every week. um, And I'm going to keep saying it because I want more reviews. I want people to find this podcast. I think it's important that we continue the conversation about this topic. And any help that I can get from my audience, if you think this is a good show, if you want us to keep going for a long time, help me out, man. I mean, this is a free podcast and there are little ways that you can support it. And that includes writing a review. That also includes making this your Instagram story. Just take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast. Tag me. I'm lubination on Instagram, by the way. Also, if you want to give me a little bit more support, you can go to patreon.com slash RIP diets and see what I have to offer. It's a low, low price of $6.99 a month and you get bonus episodes, vlogs, different videos about body image and related topics. I'm loving doing the Patreon. I'm really getting into video content, which is a new territory for me. And I think it offers a little bit of a closer look into my recovery and into a lot of the topics that I talk about on this show. So go check it out, patreon.com slash RIP Diets. And see what I have to offer. And now on to the review. This is a five-star review by Delt Star. And the title is Life Changing. This podcast has really opened my eyes to how much I had bought into diet culture without even realizing it. I've been listening since the day episode one came out, and it's really changed my mindset this podcast exposes diet culture, fat phobia and body shaming and shows us a happier, healthier way to live. It's funny, relatable, sincere and my life is better for it. Emily is starting a revolution and you would be missing out not to join her. Ugh, oh, I love that review. Thank you so much. I'm happy that you have been listening since day 1 and you feel like you're getting something out of the podcast and Everything that you said in this review is exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to expose diet culture. I think diet culture is so ingrained in media and in even conversations that we have that we start internalizing it and we don't even understand the extent to which it affects our lives. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And I'm also trying to, you know, expose fat phobia for what it really is and show how you can have internalized fat phobia and that can affect certain things that you think about, whether it be fat people or diet culture or dieting in general. And then also there are little ways that fat phobia Sneaks its way into our everyday lives that can really make us feel terrible about ourselves. And I don't think anyone deserves to feel terrible about themselves. So that's the mission of the pod, you guys. Spread it around, share it with your friends, write a review, do me a fucking solid. Okay. Because I care so much about this topic and I want more people to hear about it and become more educated about this topic. And I feel like. This is the podcast to listen to if you want to really understand this topic from an insider's perspective, somebody who grew up heavy and grew up with a very low self-esteem and eventually learned how to accept themselves and accept their body. And you guys are on your way too. And we're all in this together. I'm going to get into my interview in just a few minutes. I have a great conversation for you guys with two wonderful ladies who have a podcast of their own about body image and disordered eating. But first, I just want to quickly address something. I don't know too much about your guys' TV watching habits, but As you guys probably know, because I've talked about it on the podcast, I am absolutely addicted to The Bachelor. I find it to be the most fascinating franchise and just an in-depth study of human behavior on a deep psychological level. I'm obsessed with The Bachelor. um, And I have been watching this current season, which is Matt James' season. And this video surfaced about a week ago That went completely viral. It was a video of Matt James golfing with a few of his friends. And in the video, Matt is uh, stepping up to the putt. I don't really know golf terminology, but he was about to shoot the ball into the final hole. And one of his friends was kind of talking shit in his ear, trying to distract him, trying to throw him off his game. And he said something disparaging and just made some really nasty remarks about a girl who's on the current season. Her name is Victoria. She's kind of framed as the villain of this season. She is absolutely absurd. To me, she seems like a producer plant, like she's almost a cartoonish version of what you would think a bachelor villain would be. She's extremely vindictive and just trying to get girls kicked off the show and has a problem with every girl in the house and calls herself the queen. It's she's a caricature for sure. And everybody that I've talked to cannot stand this girl, but it doesn't matter. Um, I still felt really bad for her after seeing this video. So Matt James is golfing and his friends talking shit. And he said a lot of disparaging remarks about Victoria and her body. And, you know, how could you make out with that? What was that like? Just very mean, nasty remarks about her body. This video was not on Matt James's Instagram, but his friend actually posted it to his stories and it was since deleted. But by that point, a fan page had picked it up and it went completely viral. And Matt James was forced to make a comment about this video. He said that he does not condone body shaming. What was so striking in the video and a reason why a lot of people got upset Even people who don't watch The Bachelor, I think, were aware of this video, was that none of the guys, I mean, this golfing crew were all men, and not one of the guys stepped in and said, okay, all right, uh, that's, that's enough of that. We don't need to talk about her body. In fact, they were all laughing riotously and just treating it like it was a joke and ignoring it and laughing. I very much felt two ways about this video and about people's reactions to it. In an earlier episode of RIP Diets, I talked about meeting up with a friend in the park, and this was like during peak COVID, and my friend made a disparaging remark about a young chubby kid who was running really close to us, and he said some pretty mean things about the kid And I was having kind of a crisis afterwards because not only did I not step in to say, hey, don't body shame a kid. That's not cool. I just didn't know how to react at all. And I didn't want to make a big deal of it in the moment. I never want to be that person who's preachy and pushing their opinions on other people and I'm a very non-confrontational person in general. I just really don't like to get in arguments with people. I don't find any joy in it. So I laughed. I laughed it off and... That wasn't the right thing to do, but I think these conversations can be really difficult, especially when it's a friend who's saying something, and a lot of the time it's easier just to laugh and move on. The problem here is that he was being filmed. I don't know if he knew that he was being filmed, but as somebody who is The Bachelor and therefore has so much more exposure and is in the public eye now, granted that's probably something he's needs to get used to. um, And it's something that happens very quickly. I mean, he's going to have millions of followers at the end of this, and he's not going to always make the best decision and make everybody happy. And I can't imagine the amount of pressure that must be. But I do understand the inclination to just laugh something off instead of having a hard conversation. So I did have a little bit of empathy for him in this moment, but still seeing a bunch of guys laughing about a woman's body who, by the way, is very thin. She is in a very societally acceptable body and would be considered thin. She is straight-sized. I mean, the women who are on The Bachelor are all very petite. All things considered, there isn't a lot of body diversity. They all look like Barbie dolls with different colored hair. And I mean, now they're having a lot more diversity since the Black Lives Matter movement ramped up on social media. Now they've realized that they need to cast more black people on The Bachelor and specifically have a black lead. This is the first black Bachelor we have had in, I believe, 25 seasons So, I mean, they are improving, but I wonder if this is just kind of a reaction to what is trendy right now, which is inclusivity and amplifying black voices and, you know, representation on these shows, I wonder if they just felt like they needed to have a Black Bachelor because of the time that we're living in. And I wonder if that is going to sustain itself, if that's something they're going to keep doing over time, if they're going to keep casting as diversely as they have this season. I don't know. But I do know that one thing that has not changed is the lack of body diversity on the show and you know it could be for a variety of reasons but just seeing a man insult a woman for not having a very narrow definition of what a quote hot body is is so fucking disgusting to me and I don't feel bad for this man I assume he's getting a lot of hate on social media as he should be he should be shamed for saying that And for filming it and for posting it to his story like it was cute and funny because it's not cute and it's not funny. But I do have empathy for Matt James in this particular instance because I've done it before too. And nobody's perfect and none of us know how to handle this topic or talk about this topic, especially a man who has never gone through any of this. I mean, he is a very conventionally attractive man and isn't defined by his body even though he has a very nice body he's not defined by his body and he's been able to go through his whole life and not feel so broken when somebody insults something that he can't change it's just not something that a man like that would have had to go through not saying that he hasn't gone through other shit but it's it's easy to imagine how he could have gotten to that point where you know somebody that he's hanging out with says something disparaging about a woman and he just laughs it off because that's easier than addressing the issue. So I'm happy that this video came to the surface because it did force him to make a statement, which is that he does not condone body shaming and that he's not in contact with that particular person. And to really put it in perspective for us, the pressure that you can feel when you're hanging out with certain people and they say certain things. I know that that is a very real thing. We got to get past that, though. We got to get to the point where people feel comfortable defending other people when people insult their bodies. Because if somebody insulted somebody based on their race or gender or made an ableist comment I think people would be way quicker to speak up about it but because it's her weight and because there's all this macho sexually charged energy like oh you wanted to fuck that oh you're less of a man for wanting to fuck that whatever the implication is we need to completely eliminate that from our culture because that is so toxic and so disgusting and I just I, I can't And now that I've done that little mini rant, you guys can seek out the video for yourself or not. I mean, it's not like a must-see video, but I did feel like I wanted to respond to it because the internet was in an uproar about this. And I just wanted to come on here and tell you guys that I see both sides. I have empathy for both sides. Um, Do I think body shaming is acceptable in any way, shape, or form at any time? No, I don't. But in this particular case, I can have empathy for the person that doesn't know how to speak up and he needs to educate himself on how to speak up and issues that women face that he might not have faced in his life that he can be an ally to those women for and he can now move forward in his life with a different perspective on the matter, which I think is potentially a really good thing. Okay. And now on to the conversation that I have for today's show. This was such a heartwarming conversation. I sat down with the ladies from the Serial from the Box podcast, Marie Moeller and Gianna Bartolini. They are lifelong best friends. Marie is studying to be a social worker. Gianna is a dance teacher and they have both dealt with varying degrees of disordered eating throughout their lives and really bonded about that and decided to make a podcast about it. And I said this, in our conversation, but I think it's a really nice mix of two friends talking about body image. You feel like you're in the room with them and you're just hanging out with them and they're talking about their own experiences, which I feel are very relatable. But then there's also the clinical aspect because Marie does have a little more background in mental health and social work and does a lot of research for the show, which I can tell. They really shed light on a lot of important topics. I would definitely recommend you try out their podcast. It's a great supplement to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Gianna Bartolini and Marie Moeller. Guys, my guest today, that's right, guests, that's plural. They are fellow podcasters, co-hosts of a wonderful podcast called Serial from the Box. Gianna Bartolini and Marie Moeller, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you.
0: Woo. Nice now, you. I, I'm so happy to have you guys. I've known Gianna for a little bit because she used to do some freelance work for my other podcast. But Marie, we are meeting for the first time. We're becoming fast friends. And um, I told her this is going to be just like her regular podcast, except she gets to talk about herself, which I've listened to your podcast and I get the sense. I'm going to ask you about the podcast, but I get the sense that it's kind of like you're giving Gianna therapy. <laughs> am, I, am I
1: right? In I, like this is why I don't have a real therapist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we were chatting about therapists before the show and gianna uh does online therapy which is not the same
1: i tried it it just wasn't for me but um if if your best friend is a almost a social
0: worker (laughs) uh, no seriously honestly (laughs) i used to have a friend that she ended up dropping out of school actually but she was studying to be a social worker and i a hundred percent would go like lie on her couch and have her quote unquote practice on me that that's probably the reason why she dropped out actually was dealing with all of my fucking mental (laughs) illness shit but but that is the sense that I get from the podcast I'd love to know like what was your guys's origin story you guys told me that you've been friends since kindergarten, which is the most adorable thing I've ever <laughs> heard of, but how did the podcast come to be? Whose idea was it? Why this topic, etc.
1: I feel like I just wanted to do a, a podcast with Marie for a while. And then just cause I want her to be my friend forever. So I wanted to con her into never uh, having an excuse not to
2: talk to me.
0: That's fair. <laughs> and if you work together, you're stuck together.
2: Yes, exactly. And yeah, so Gianna, like had reached out to me about it. And I was super hesitant. I was like, I don't know anything about anything I can't talk about, <laughs> you know, well, I'm sure anything. that's not true. Well, yeah, that might be me underestimating my abilities a little bit. But I was like, well, the experience that we both share is, you know, our history with an eating disorder, um, body image struggles, things like that. And we're just two gals in our, you know, 20s trying to get through that. So we're like, That should be cereal from the Box.
0: And where did you get the name from? I'm curious about that.
2: Yeah. So it came from an image that I had posted on, like, a recovery account that I had made on Instagram, like, ages ago, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was... The image was something like, it had like a little man, it was eating cereal and it was like, uh, I'm afraid I can't come out tonight. I'm eating cereal from the box, like alone. <laughs> yeah. And for me, that like encompasses everything about my experience with an eating disorder. Like it reminds me of like the binging that I used to go through. It also reminds me to like fuck diet culture because like there's so much toxic messaging about like cereal and what's good for you and what's bad for you. And there's too much sugar in it and whatever. Um, so having the freedom to just eat cereal from the box, not have any guilt over it, you know, just. Yeah. Do your thing.
0: Yeah. Cereal is one of those things that people treat it like it's anthrax. Like I don't understand what it is about cereal that people think they cannot touch it past the age of eight.
2: Mm-hmm, like, that's my yeah. experience.
0: I love cereal, like golden grams. Hell hello. Frosted mini wheats, the chocolate kind. What up, son? Like, I am all about that life. And, but I was scared of it when I had an eating disorder because, you know, you hear all these things, like it's just straight sugar. It has no nutritional value. And it's so funny how these things just like blow completely out of proportion to the point where like, we think cereal is poison. Now I had a friend literally say to me one time, and i I'm, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, cause it was one of these like defining things that really, um, created a lot of fear in me, but it was like, sugar's gonna be the next cancer. Like sugar's gonna cause all these issues for people. You'll see, like, it was It was almost like antagonistic. Like you'll see in 50 years, all these people are gonna have cancer and die because they ate too much sugar. It's absolutely absurd. And it's, I think it's, it's a really funny name. And I personally am a fan.
2: Thanks. Thanks.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. My mom
1: used to like catch me like when I was a kid, like. Eat, like i would like, go down to the laundry room and like take the cereal out of the of uh, like the kitchen and like go eat the cereal and by myself <sighs> in the laundry room like when i was like a kid and she'd be like Jana, you
0: hate what? that
1: what are you doing down here i'll be like i'm sorry i'm so hungry <laughs> she's like it's two in the morning go to bed and i'm like i'm sorry mom i'm just hungry
0: was it that she didn't want you like waking up in the middle of the night to eat or yes. was it specifically the cereal
1: no it was but like it was because I was like why was I awake at 2 a.m why was I eating Cheerios at 2 a.m and there was usually like Nutella involved as well it was like a combo and oh like,
0: like yeah like a like a popsicle stick with Nutella oh, yeah, cereal
1: yes exactly. that sounds
0: fucking good
1: it was good but I I, I couldn't eat that now like I just like don't crave those things anymore. But like as a kid, I was like, this is crack. Yeah,
0: because well, like, especially that late at night.
1: Yeah.
0: What what age was that for you that you were doing between,
1: that? Between the ages of eight and seventeen, ma'am. So, oh, the whole time. The whole time.
0: <laughs> just a a good steady run. Oh yes, yeah, so no and
1: It's like, why are you surprised? This is like third night this week, ma'am. <laughs>
0: Well, so, can you tell me a little bit? I mean, I'll ask the both of you, but can you tell me a little bit more about your history with disordered eating?
1: Sure. So, um, I'm a dancer, uh, like I try, I'm trying to be a professional dancer. I graduated in January, 2020. So I mean, you kind
0: of to... are a professional dancer I because you teach dance. Yeah. That's a profession.
1: That's true. I'm a professional dance teacher. Let's just start there. Um, <laughs> sure. So I've been like dancing my whole life, and um, like, I guess like the first thing I remember like ever, you know, like one of my early dance memories is like the director of the school being like, "Oh, well, you're a little chunky," and I was like, <gasps> better, and I was like, "Okay, I guess I'm a little chunky," and um, so I, I think I've always so um, I'm my mom is from El Salvador, so I consider myself Latina. And uh, with that is like a little bit more body than just like a standard, you know, a white girl as a child, you know, I just-
0: Curvy bodies, or you think pear pear shaped, you think hips. Yes, a little
1: bit. And from a young age, it was like ready to go. Um, Ready to go. You know, it was a little uh, different shaped than my class. Who's like mostly like white or Asian Um, petite, naturally petite, because most people who are successful in dance, that's just their body and that just helps them. And that's why the majority of people look like that. Right. Um, So I just always was very hyper aware of how I looked. And I just like was really, you know, uh, self-conscious all the time about it, but I really love to dance. So I never quit. Um, And that's kind of how you know, I started developing like I I didn't want my friends to see me eating because I was embarrassed because I was already bigger than them. So I'd be eating at odd hours, hence the cereal in the laundry room. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just, um, so that, and then my sister, uh, when we were teenagers, she developed a very severe restrictive eating disorder. So then it was just kind of complicated family dynamic. And then, oh, I'm
0: sorry, who your sister. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. My younger sister. So then it was just like in the all the time like seeing all these diety things and like am i wrong for not eating that way and then i went to college and just the stress of of being in such like a competitive university for dance and stuff um i just was like having all kinds of problems sure and then yeah so that was my history of eating
0: so from your perspective like this is what you had to do to stay in the shape that you needed to be to dance
1: yeah and like that's
2: what I
0: thought. Right. Right. Okay. And, and Marie, what's your history?
2: Yeah. So I guess my, my history with like disordered eating began in high school. Um, and I think like around that time, you know, like your body's changing throughout puberty and things like that. So I had gained like some weight, um and for some reason kind of became a little hyper aware about that and that it was different than what I like used to weigh before um so kind of with that and you know pure stuff going on at the time that led me to you know starting to count calories and other things like that in effort to like lose the weight um so that really entered me in like a binge restrict kind of cycle where you know restricting um throughout the week maybe for a couple weeks at a time before like just because I was so incredibly famished that I would, you know, binge as a result of that. So that continued for a while, um, and then freshman year of college, um, I'm not like really entirely sure what, you know, caused the binging to stop at that point. Um, but it just kind of went further downhill from there, like progressively got worse um, in terms of the restriction. Um, and then one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, I feel like I'm kind of going crazy. Um, my mood is incredibly low, like super depressed, feeling anxious all the time. Um, so I like told one of my roommates, um, you know, about what was going on and, um, she had an eating disorder when she was in high school. So she was like incredibly supportive, um, helped me to like get an appointment with a, um, you know, one of the like counselors at the university. Oh, how is um, that?
0: I've heard some horror stories about university. Yeah. Hired, uh So
2: therapist. yeah, I didn't, luckily I didn't have to like go to them for therapy. It was more just to be like, this is what's going on. And I saw one lady and she was like, mm, it sounds like you kind of have a problem. I'm gonna t- to let you talk to this other person that knows more about eating disorders. Um, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of helpful and I did do, um, later on, I did like a um, body image group with her and a different like counselor at the university and other students. Um, so she was like- And kind of-
0: were you already interested in social work or did that come out of those experiences in a way?
2: Um, so that, I was in undergrad, I was studying psychology. So I already had okay. like the intention of like, I wanna be a therapist. Um, but that was more from like my experiences with depression in like high school. Got it. Um, yeah. Wasn't quite at the eating disorder part yet. Um, but yeah, so the, um, therapist at the university kind of sat down with me, reviewed everything that was going on. And she was the first person to be like, I think you have anorexia. And that really hit me. And I was like, what? It's not that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Um, And I kid you not, like maybe three days later, I was in treatment. So she really like expedited that process for me. Um, But then since then, in like my recovery journey, like my symptoms have been, you know, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, So
0: how long would you say you've been in in recovery?
2: Honestly, I think like to to like truthfully answer that I've been like symptom free since mm, probably like since the pandemic started, to be honest.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. I, it's a, it's definitely a tricky word, right? Because mm-hmm. like th- there were a few years there that I was in like pseudo recovery. Sure. Like I said, I was in recovery, but really I was doing a whole bunch of things that I now realize are, are were very destructive and completely derailing any hope I had of, of actually recovering. But I guess what I mean is like, after treatment do, did you backslide into the back into the bad behavior or was it kind of like that was the shift for you
2: so i think i kind of like sidestepped <laughs> just yeah. into like you know i think like a symptom substitutions like pretty common and so the binging came back when i was in treatment and when i left treatment um and i was just seeing you know a nutritionist and a therapist um on the outpatient level i kind of really spiraled into that binging. Um, And so I would say, you know, it probably took me like another year since leaving treatment to really just be struggling with like binging as the main issue and like trying to work on the restriction part in order to help with the binging as well.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, Obviously, I talk about this topic a lot. On my podcast, it's pretty much the whole topic, but it's crazy to me how people still don't make the connection that the restriction is the problem, right? Because everybody thinks they're a binger. Everybody thinks they have a problem with eating or, and uh, when I say everybody, I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit, but you know, there are a lot of people who feel like they cannot control themselves around food. And it's interesting to me that, that, you wouldn't go back to the source and say, "Okay, well, I have been restricting myself," and maybe it's just because of all everything that I know now. But after you know it, and after it makes sense to you, it seems like such a no-brainer that, like, how doesn't everybody not recognize this?
1: Yeah, it's like really funny to me when I like look back at like when I was in college, like what I would just like I wouldn't even go out with people. I would just like eat food at my house alone, like like hiding from people. And I was like, oh, like, how does not everybody do this? But like, now I also live alone and, and I feel like, feel like I'm in a really good place with food right now. And I like, don't even crave the foods that I used to like to eat, like in large amounts anymore. It's like, hmm, maybe if I just like ate normal food during the day, like, hmm, that's like shocking, surprising. Yeah, what
0: a novel idea. Um, Yeah. It's, I have had the same exact experience as you. It's some foods that I would use to like go crazy over. I don't even like them. And I didn't even realize that I didn't like them. Like I used to, um, I used to like save up quote unquote, not trying to use triggering terminology here, but I used to, you know, Convince myself that I I could save up my calories during the week. And then on the weekend, I would eat this like massive peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like I was terrified of peanut butter and jelly and bread. And when you put all three together, that was just like, in my mind, the worst thing I could possibly eat. And I would eat that for for breakfast on Sundays. Like this was a, um, a what's the word? Like a phase, like a, a little like eating phase that I went through. And I hate jelly. Like I realized in the past year, I fucking hate jelly. I don't even like peanut butter that much. And I don't, you know, like a PB&J, that's not even my bag. You know what I mean? And it's crazy how like when you tell yourself you can't have something or you shouldn't have something and you have to wait to have something, it becomes so much more desirable to you than it even would be if you were just like acting like a regular person
2: yeah it's really that novelty like aspect of it I definitely yeah. have certain feeds that that applies for um as well so yeah it's kind of crazy
0: and I mean I, I told you ladies I would love to kind of have you guys weigh in because I have all kinds of guests on this show Um, I've had, you know, some specialists on, I've had comedians on that. I just think have like an interesting perspective about body image. I've had people who've actually gone through it all over the map, but it seems like because you guys are both in recovery or, you know, pretty much recovered, you might have some experience with body dysmorphia or to be able to, to like shed some light on body dysmorphia. I get asked about it so much and I don't know how to explain that feeling when you're experiencing it, when you, you know, fixate on things on your body or like amplify things in your mind and don't know if they're real or not. Have you guys experienced that? And if so, how does it manifest?
1: Oh yeah, baby, 100%. Yeah. Uh, even to like, to this day, like I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, dude, is this what I look like? Like, would, <laughs> I'm, am, am I real? Like, is this my physical body and form? Especially because like, I literally, when I was in school, I would be in a mirror looking at myself in a leotard and tights with mm-hmm. no, no pants, uh, no shirt, just leotard and tights for like six hours a day, like minimum. And it's like, so it was like, I know what I look like all the time first of all y'all mirrors can distort your body so like you don't know second of all yes mirrors can lie there's like always a good mirror so like the dancers know like in the studio like there's the good mirror that like makes you look skinny and there's the bad mirror that makes you feel like a piece of shit so like
0: oh can you imagine if they were purposely putting bad mirrors in there to give you guys eating disorders
1: i mean literally they're like (laughs) no joke my dance teachers would be like Gianna like I think you need to like you do you remember like before like what you looked like like three months ago like you could like do that like you just have to be careful and I'd be like who hey, oh bathroom. my gosh
0: I can't believe they said that to you but this then, is like, when you were a teenager yeah but then
1: like one girl almost died so now they're really nice about your body so you gotta they're like oh well she almost died okay well never mind guys like we don't want you all to have ulcers at the age of 14.
0: Um, Oh my God. Did she?
1: Yeah, but she's fine now. She's like, Oh, thank God. Um, Oh my
0: God. That's awful. Would you guys, um, was there like a lot of back and forth between the dancers? Like, would you guys like be like, Oh, I look fat today. No, I look fat today. Like, was there any of that?
1: There was a little bit, but then like they were we were all like really nice to each other. So be like, oh, she just said this to me. Be like, no, you look great. Like she's fucking stupid. Like, no, you're like beautiful. You can't oh my
0: God, I love that. You were like okay. hyping each other up. Yeah,
1: because like there was like five of us that were just like not normal, like white, tiny. There was like, we, there was like one of us was black. One was Hispanic, one was Asian, one was Jewish. And then the other one was like mixed. So we we're like, okay, six- you all flavor. We were the flavor crew and everyone like knew it like we were like the ones that would go to parties like and show up high the next
0: day so um love it love it nobody
1: tell my mom she thinks i don't drink um but anyway oh my god so-
0: i like don't even know what my mom knows doesn't know i just lay it all out there and pray that she has selective vision um, um,
1: I don't know. I just like, I feel like some, even right now, sometimes I don't really know what I look like. And it's like, I think my thighs are like massive. And then I'll see a picture of myself and I'll be like, I mean, it's pretty proportional. Yeah. Or,
0: like, yeah. Photos, um, photo, photos can be an interesting experience. Like I I know that, um, when I initially lost uh, a great deal of weight, like when I went on my first real diet, that then propelled itself into an eating disorder. I would, you know, when you lose weight really quickly, you often don't even really know what you look like. Cause you're seeing yourself in the mirror every day. But then if you, I saw a picture of myself, I literally saw a picture of myself one time. And I said to my friend, who's that girl? And I was pointing at myself. So like, it really can be that dramatic, but sometimes it's not even quite as dramatic. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I, I just feel like i almost i feel like my clothes don't sit right i feel heavier than yesterday like even within 24 hours i feel heavier than yesterday i feel different different in my body than yesterday i feel like i'm shape like my shape looks different maybe i'm bloated like all of these thoughts can kind of like waterfall out of control
1: yeah i mean my body honestly like aside from like one point when i was like really badly in my eating disorder and my weight actually rose dramatically um I my body's basically been the same for like since I was like seventeen so I don't really know um like I feel like I just feel like it never I never know what I look like, but I, I know it's not really changing yeah so it's it's, kind of it's
0: all a, it's all a mental thing yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And that's just another reminder that like eating disorders look different for everybody. It's not always these like super emaciated girls who drop, you know, 40 pounds in two months that mm-hmm. like, you need to worry about it affects all different kinds of people. Yeah. Um, and Marie, what has your experience been with body? Yeah. Dysphoria?
2: I think honestly, when it was, um, at its worst was when my weight was fluctuating a lot. Um, so whether that was like losing weight because of the restriction or when even like being in treatment and then because a part of like my recovery was to be weight restored, um, that whole process was when I experienced that body dysmorphia and like, I did not have at all like a clear perception of what my body looked like. They had this like, um, exercise that they did in treatment. We had these like body image groups, um, and they would like, have this like huge piece of paper you would like mark your height and then you would draw what you thought that you looked like like draw an outline of your body and then they would go ahead and like trace that for you to kind of compare and then you're supposed to kind of like think about I guess how your like perception was not right or if it was right like break down some of that body dissatisfaction that you probably had okay um so it was just kind of weird to I guess kind of realize that even though I could recognize that like I lost a lot of weight. And therefore, as a result, like my body did kind of like look emaciated at that point that I still felt like I was too big, or still felt like I could lose more weight and things like that. And then as I gained weight and recovery, um, I just would start like fixating on different parts of my body, like engage in different like body checking behaviors, um, just to kind of like, try to get a sense of like what was going on and how my Mm -hmm. body was changing
0: can you Um, can you just quickly like define or explain body checking for any people who might not know what that is
2: yeah so body checking would be kind of like any behavior that you engage in whether it's like a mental thing or a physical thing um to either reassure yourself of like your current physical state or, you know, maybe to check for certain progress or things like that. So an example um, could be touching different body parts. Body checking could even be just like weighing yourself, looking in the mirror. It could well, be like I'll a mental you, comparison. Well, I'll tell you, I used to,
0: like when I woke up in the morning, the first thing I would do would be grab my stomach and then mm-hmm. I would look at my stomach in the mirror. So yeah. that, I think that's probably like the way that manifests in a lot of people just like, I, I mean, I notice people doing it all the time, you know, people like touch certain areas of their body and you you almost don't even realize you're doing it, but it it can be very harmful.
2: Yeah. I think it like, re- it feels like it reinforces that kind of anxiety and that dissatisfaction that we have. Um, even though we're using the body checking in, to- in order to like try to reassure ourselves that either like nothing has changed or maybe it's changed in a direction that the eating disorder brain wants it to change um or something like that i think that those behaviors kind of um keep that fear and anxiety yeah. um present at all times so it's really hard to kind of gauge an accurate perception of your body when you're so compulsively engaging in those kinds of behaviors
0: yeah yeah totally um so you experience this in treatment would you say, and I guess this goes for Gianna as well, but do you, do you guys think that that is something that has stayed with you, or do you think you've gotten rid of that, um, you know, that inclination to like compare yourself to what you used to be, or you know,
2: I think like the the body dysmorphia part for me has definitely gone away as like my weight has kind of stabilized. I don't really feel like there's um. In accurate inaccuracy of perception, but there is, you know, still dissatisfaction that I'm trying to work through on a day to day basis. And I still think um, It's always kind of easy to get into, you know, a thought trap where you compare yourself to when you were thinner or something like that. Um, so that's still, for me, those two things are unrelated, um, but the dissatisfaction. Um, it still exists. You body. just, yeah. You,
0: you. What do you do when that happens? Like, how do you try to channel that in a positive way?
2: Yeah, I think for me, what what's been helpful is I try to keep myself on track in terms of like my body dissatisfaction if that is happening doesn't dictate my food choices anymore. It doesn't dictate how we interact um, with food with exercise. Um, and I think that's honestly just been a matter of like habit and practice. Um, and, you know, sometimes like breaking as well like body checking behaviors because like sometimes that still comes up for me like looking in the mirror and things like that, you know, at some point like you kind of have to be like, okay, well, you know, I didn't like I don't like this as much today as maybe I did yesterday. Whatever, that's fine. I'm just going to wear clothes that are comfortable. I'm going to stop looking in the mirror um, and just move on with my day. You kind of have to um, just keep having like the moving forward mindset, I guess, with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I feel like for me, honestly, the leaving school and not, and not being auditioning all the time and not seeing myself in the mirror all the time has been like the most amazing, like tool in like, cause I feel like I'm still getting better I'm still recovering and like every single day or week or whatever like I'm still working on not it t- I mean it, ta-
0: it can take work, you, know? you know it can take people their whole lives to not that I'm saying it's going to take yeah. you your whole life but you know this this process is really difficult it can take years to actually reach a point where you feel like you're totally at peace with your body yeah.
1: and so I feel like I don't know I just stopped seeing my body as like my worth because currently like it's not like I don't have to look any way right now I can like look however I want and like I can be happy just like my body works like I have two legs that can do great things and like my arms are can hold cups and such and I don't know. Like I, <laughs> my body's like a tool now. It's like not like something to be looked at by people who need me for things. Like yeah, I'm using my body to like do cool things, and so like right yeah, now, yeah, like hold
0: like, cups. Like, <laughs> <"Whoa."> <laughs> so, She's holding a cup right now, folks.
1: I don't know. Like I just feel like I'm stopped seeing my body as like okay, this is like my body is worth something as aesthetic, but now it's like it's like a machine. And that's been,
0: really Ooh, cool. I like that, like a machine that you need to in, in order to like last throughout your day and do every yeah. task that you need to do. And yeah. And what, yeah. I like I need yeah. to
1: feed it. I need to rest it. I need to take care of it. Cause it's like a big thing for me is like not resting myself and like, so I need to take care of it and do nice things. So it will work.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think that's impacted? I mean, dance is still a part of your life.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but you said, you know, you're not going on auditions, you're teaching and I'm assuming that's a very different, I'm assuming that looks very different. Like the two between being a dancer and being somebody who dances.
1: Yeah. I just, it's like, I don't get to do it for myself anymore. Like I'm not working on myself anymore and like, I'm not taking class and I'm watching other people like I'm helping other people to reach their dreams, which is really fulfilling and really great. Um, But like actually during Corona, because I was teaching so much, I actually, my dancing has gotten better. Like I feel like I've improved as a dancer because I'm not so worried about what I look like. Like there's no mirrors at my house for me to look at myself dancing in the shorts and a t-shirt. So like really thinking about like, when I'm teaching, I like to do it really anatomically instead of being like, the second your lunch ladies i'm like use your core power and rotate your thighs from the back so i'm like i'm thinking of exactly which muscles i need to use and like in that way i stopped thinking so much what does this look like and like how do you do it and i feel like that's actually been really helpful for like how i've been approaching dance and like food yeah. as well
0: That's very interesting. Cause I, I've never danced. Um, You don't want to see me at a party. I have, (laughs) I have a few moves. Okay. I do like the jellyfish and, um, and the ceiling fan and shit like that. But dancing, you are in a mirror covered room. Um, And so you must be really like hyper aware of what you look like over what it actually feels like to do the movement. Mm Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And then I guess I'm also just wondering, like, how do you feel like podcasting about this topic has made you more aware? I mean, if it has made you more aware of, you know, how you go through your day to day and how these things might be affecting you mentally. Oh, me either.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, I'll go first. Um, I feel like first of all like I didn't think so much about how to talk about these things with people without being triggering until like I started doing because Maria is like super uh, aware of like like PC like because of mm-hmm. like her future profession like she really knows like how to talk about things and like Like we'll record, and she's like, "Oh, can you blur this out because like that could be triggering," or she'd be like, "Oh, we shouldn't talk about it this way like beforehand." So like, oh, cool. So I'm learning new things, but also like, I feel like in my teaching, like I, I feel more empowered to talk to them about how to take care of themselves, like and how to emotionally take care of themselves in like the dance world. Okay, I'm sorry, like this is taking so long, but like. I had this one student, her mom is so evil. She literally gave her daughter a scale for Christmas. Like that was her only gift. And then she left. That was her her only gift? That she moved to Ecuador the next day and hasn't called her since. So let me just say this woman is evil, but that was really angering oh
0: my me. god and that that casually. really takes the cake
1: it really did and i was like you know what girl like you are gorgeous and she's like yeah i know and i was like oh, okay
0: excuse me oh my <laughs> god like, her. <laughs> how, how wait how old is that girl
1: She's 15.
0: Okay. Can I just say like the next generation, they're like almost too confident in themselves. Like, I'm I'm so jealous. (laughs) I am so jealous. Like I would have loved to at age 14, 15, like be on TikTok, like busting out my moves for the entire internet. I was not that confident. It's a great thing. I think it's great that there's like more awareness and also just more like positivity around different Mm -hmm. bodies. Cause like when I was growing up in the nineties, it was not like that. You had to be blonde thin and have giant boobs, even though like nobody I know is actually built like that.
1: Curses.
0: And uh, and same question to Marie, like has the podcast changed at all? Like the way that you approach these matters. I mean, you are studying to be a social worker. So I assume like you already had that terminology down, but I guess in in any other way, has it expanded what you thought you knew about eating disorders?
2: Yeah, well, I think what I feel like is important for me is to be educated enough that if it's not my experience and we're talking about just like, you know, different experiences that people with eating disorders have, like recently we did a um, episode about orthorexia, which like I personally haven't gone through myself. So I felt like it would be important then to do the research to kind of back it up. Um, So in that way, I feel like I am learning a lot. there are, you know, different podcast episodes that I have to, or I feel like I have to do research for um, in order to just add, I don't know, other like helpful things as well. Cause it's one thing Mm -hmm. to talk about your experience with something and talk about it in like, you know I did X, Y, and Z, or I felt X, Y, and Z, um, you know while you're going through your eating disorder but it's another thing then to articulate well how did i move forward from that and how did i right. recover and so i think that can be really challenging to do especially because my recovery process has been really messy <laughs> you know it's been yeah. super all over the place so
0: you know that that's that's a lot of people like mm-hmm. i i i've seen you guys are the meme queens i've noticed on instagram guys give them a follow you'll be able to plug at the end but but i've noticed that there's this um chart that uh, I've seen like around the internet where it's like what you expect to recovery to be and it's a straight line and then what recovery actually looks like. And it's like this spiky, like crazy yes. line that's all over the place. And that, that really helped me when I was going through it. Cause I was like, I remember the first time I relapsed, like the first mm-hmm. time that I decided to, uh, to purge after like, I hadn't for probably four months or six months or something like that. And I was like, this is fucked. I just threw away my whole recovery. And um, and then I saw, I saw that chart and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm doing this right.
2: Yeah, when you have the all or nothing mindset that like most people with eating disorders have to feel like you're either doing recovery perfectly or you're relapsing and there's no in-between, mm-hmm. it's just so unhelpful to the recovery process because it is gonna be all over the place. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's doing recovery perfectly is like the funniest thing to me because there is it doesn't look like anything but I think like a lot of people do have that thought. Mm-hmm. Just just like um you kind of went into it earlier Marie like w- when you were diagnosed with anorexia you were like, "Oh, I'm not that sick." Like mm-hmm. there's all these comparisons while like within the disorder that are very confusing and um and you can tell me if you have no idea what i'm talking about but like that idea like i'm not sick enough i'm not sick enough for a diagnosis i'm not sick enough for recovery i'm not like far gone enough i'm not in a hospital bed so i don't need recovery it's like all of these comparisons that we do to make ourselves feel inadequate even in our recovery
2: yes definitely and i feel like at the time when that happened like I was honestly just in denial. Like I was trying to tell myself that it was not that bad. Got it. Um, And then throughout the whole recovery process, I mean, even because I feel like it's, it's super helpful when we then super helpful. And then also not in some ways, when we bring recovery to Instagram and social media and things like that, because there's so much more to compare yourself to in terms Mm -hmm. of your recovery process, in terms of how your eating disorder looks like and things like that. Um, And in some ways, like it's helpful to see those different experiences because then you can relate to it. Um, And then in other ways, like it kind of perpetuates stigma if we're only promoting young thin white girls as people with eating disorders and they're the only ones that recover from eating disorders and things like that um so what i love about our podcast is that gianna and i do have differing experiences but also very similar experiences so like being able to talk about those two different recovery paths mine having treatment gianna's not having a formalized treatment like that's helpful and hopefully like illuminating to people that listen to us that they are capable of you know kind of choosing whatever recovery path works best for them and fits their own needs.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm sorry. I, go ahead, go ahead. I'm like, I don't know.
1: I'm like, I identify as Hispanic. Marie's like kind of Hispanic also. So
0: like- I Oh, think, you don't say. Blonde Marie over here. You're Peruvian, oh, yeah. you okay. You can't tell. Yep. I can't <laughs> tell, but I love it for you.
1: So Thanks. like we both like kind of white, but like kind of a little bit his. White passing. White passing, Hispanic, sure. and like, you know, like have kind of, culturally experienced like different things related to eating and food so I feel like we we like relate a lot to like different people and like obviously not the same as like a person of color but like we have like some similar experiences to relate to and we're like really young and like feeling wild so yeah
0: sure (laughs) young and wild and free um yeah i love that about your podcast i also love how you offer this like clinical perspective that people can understand because a, a lot of people you know it's a niche space the body positivity space is a niche space but it is growing and there's a lot of information out there and a lot of it is very clinical so i love that you have like a little bit of the clinical but then you also tell your personal experiences um, so you guys should definitely give them a listen. Where can people listen to your podcast?
1: On Spotify. Hell yeah. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to like put it on all the other
0: places <laughs> so we can only do
1: it. You know, on I Spotify. actually
0: I, I know for a fact that it you can get it through Apple Podcasts too. So
1: amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- their podcast is called Serial from the Box. Do you guys want people to follow you individually? Or? Sure.
1: You can follow me on Instagram at Gianna Bartolini. um, And there's like a lot of dance stuff and also like my personal life. Gorgeous
0: dance shots. Thank you. Like if you just want to see a ballerina in these streets doing her thing on cobblestones, (laughs) this is exactly uh, what you're looking for.
1: Thanks, guys. And like also you can follow Serial from the Box on Instagram. Um, We're like polling. We are memeing. Um, we're yes. trying to, we're making like our original like advice content now. So like, if you like, for example, we just did one that was like, if you forget to eat, cause I just started a new medicine for ADHD. And like, I just, I'm like, should I eat now? And Marie's like, yes, you should.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, Adderall will fuck you. I, mm-hmm. I have ADHD too. So I know all about that. It's crazy. It's It's so crazy that like you could not eat all day also be like you're jittery and you're hungry and you're not hungry at the same time it's really really crazy yeah that's great that you have somebody to keep you in check about that this
1: is my best og day one best friend so
0: adorable adorable (laughs) and marie are you private do you want people to follow you
2: yeah my instagram's currently private right now just related to school things so i recommend following gianna and cereal from the box instead (laughs) follow
0: cereal from the box get addicted to their pod. Thank you so much ladies for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun. Thanks
2: for having me. Thank us. you.
0: All right, all right, all right. I hope you liked that conversation with Gianna and Marie from the Serial from the Box podcast. Definitely check out their show. Give them a follow on social media. It's Serial from the Box on social media. They're just a couple of great chicks who want to spread awareness about disordered eating just as I am doing. And they give a really thorough representation of all these different forms of disordered eating from a personal perspective and a clinical perspective that I think you guys could all really get into. So definitely check it out. And that's the show this week, guys. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can email me at ripdiets at gmail.com with your advice questions, or if you just want to write me some feedback about the show, I love hearing from you guys. Write a review, make it your Instagram story, do what you can to get the word out there. I'm trying to start a motherfucking revolution And I wouldn't be able to do it without your guys' support. I absolutely love you guys. I think we're building an awesome community, and I can't wait to continue building it. And on that note, join the private Facebook group. If you go to Facebook, just type in the search bar, RIP Dieters. And if you request to be added, I will add you within a day check out the Patreon. Finally, patreon.com slash rip diets for $6.99 a month. You get bonus episodes, vlogs, face-to-face videos. It's really uh, a different experience than the podcast is. It's a little bit more intimate. I think you guys are really going to like it. Just try it for one month. Why not? And if you don't like it, you can delete it. And if you do like it, happy to have you here. So I will see you all next week for another episode of Rip Diets. Peace out.